Welcome to my super type A attempt at being Zen, the podcast. My name is Risha York, and I will be your host. If you are overworked, overtired, overstretched, overwhelmed, just over it, you are in the right place. We like to say we are currently working towards Zen-ish. I'm thrilled that you've joined us. Let's see who will be supporting us on our path to Zen today. Welcome back to my super type A attempt at being Zen with your host, Rishi York. Today, we are so lucky to have Belinda Ginter, business and mindset coach on with us today. Hello, Belinda. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me, Risha. Oh, it is truly a joy. I just, I love following you. I love everything you post. You have such a (laughs) funny disposition. It's so fun to just be part of your world. So I'm delighted to have you here today. Uh, I appreciate your kind words. I've literally used social media not for marketing like everybody's told me. I literally use it as a journal every single morning. I get up, I meditate, I pray, I do some visualization, and then I go right to my social media and just whatever's coming up for that day. Um, Luckily, it seems to resonate with a lot of people and and be kind of like the message they need to hear that day. But that's truly by luck um, because I'm totally just using it as a way to totally flush out what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling or what I'm processing. (laughs) Yeah, I do the same thing. It's very similar. It's, it's like an outlet for me. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So tell our listeners a little bit about what it is that you do. Yeah. So I love that this is for type A personalities because I am one. So I'm partial to us. I think we're pretty awesome. (laughs) Um, You know, what I do is I am, have been a mindset expert for over nine years and now have really gone into business coaching as well. Um, It was just kind of a natural development. I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life. Uh, Entrepreneurial dad watched him do all the things, you know, uh, as a kid. And then I think I denied it in myself for, for quite some time, followed societal rules of, yeah, you know, some the of us checklist do you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I rebelled against them, but I still followed them, but just rebelled against them once I was in it. It was kind of a weird juxtaposition. Um, but, you know, went to university, did all those things, denied myself being an entrepreneur until my 40s. <laughs> Um, and then, then let it loose and mm-hmm. realizing I should have probably just gone straight, um, into this path in my twenties, you know, not that I, you know, wish anything was different. Cause I'm sure it's supposed to be how it's supposed to be. Right, However, right. I could see my, uh, path to success could have been a lot less this and a lot more of this if I had just followed my inner voice and calling, right. All that history though, doesn't it inform you now? Completely. And yeah. all my coaching is, is really drawing on a lot of life experiences. You know, I grew up with nothing. I grew up on welfare in low income housing. Um, and just, I was just in a very observant child. So watching the behaviors and the patterns of the adults around me gave me the best education 
um, for coaching that you could ever imagine. And I draw upon a lot of those experiences and a lot of those things I observed and the patterns I was able to see forming to help my clients daily. Yeah, I think you and I have a very similar background and upbringing. Yes, and... I think that's why we connected so strongly, right? Yeah, yes. I agree. I agree. So so since your expertise is mindset, the first yes. question I really have for you is, how does our mindset affect our stress levels? Well, I think we have to just dive a short part into what affects stress levels to begin with, right? To, yeah. to kind of give some context. And it's a lot of could be, um, you know, big and sudden changes in life, things that we didn't see coming, you know, life taking us out of our knees, take, you know, curveballs coming our way, yep. so to speak. Um, it can be living too far in the past where you're always looking in the rear view mirror, or it can be the opposite where we're so focused on our future that we are just tunnel vision and not really experiencing everything. And that can heighten our stress levels too. And that is such a huge thing for people who are type A. So hard for us. We are always planning. We pride ourselves on being those forward thinkers and being those visionaries. And don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for that. Every CEO, every person, every creative um, and A-type needs to have a bit of that. I just think we, with our A-types, we can go to the extremes. Yes, I agree with you. So if we're eating well, we're really, really eating well. If we're like <laughs> off the wagon, we're really, really off the wagon. You yeah. know, so I just think like we, we live life to extremes. Yeah. And so really when we're just only looking at the future and we're not appreciating the journey, we're not understanding that everything takes time and stuff we can be really harsh with ourselves which also brings up those stress levels right yeah, absolutely. so I think like spiritually people can be like kicked out of certain communities with like you know maybe their religions and things like that that can add to stress levels physical you know someone comes down with an illness or someone around us becomes sick mm -hmm. all of a sudden all, every our stress levels are completely heightened things like that. So I think there's a lot of factors financial. Yeah. You know, you get hit with a huge tax bill um, or just maybe I do. I don't <laughs> <laughs> you and I both, you and I both. Right? I hear you. Things like that that you don't expect or you didn't plan for, or maybe yeah. someone um, in your family, your spouse or partner loses their position. Yeah. Or things like, like these things happen in life, but yeah. they spike, you know, our stress levels like crazy. So mindset, I think a lot of people think is positivity, but it's not. Right. Um, that's a myth. Mindset isn't about positivity. Mindset's just about taking the situation at hand and seeing it from a different perspective. So I always say like, you know, people say bird's eye. I like to, to say eagle eye because eagles are like soaring higher than any other birds and they're really getting a, an in-depth look down yeah um but and it's just looking at it from a different perspective and then reframing how we are, are currently seeing it because we all know you know when we're, we step into a pond and it's it's muddy all of a sudden everything gets murky like you can't see yes. down to the bottom at all right you can't see your toes but as you give it time, then the dust settles and then you can see the little minnows swimming around and all, all the stuff that, you know, that's in the lake. Yeah. But life's like that. So mindset, if you think of it, like mindset is when you wait and calmly get the emotions under control 
so you can get some clarity and then you can reframe and see different personalities. One thing as A-types we struggle with is seeing other people's side of you because ours is so awesome. Um, (laughs) That's such a good way to put it. Um, In my practice, we talk a lot about like my super type A folks have like a my way or the highway approach to the world. And Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I get it. You've, you're obsessed with efficiency. You've worked through all of the possibilities and you've found what you believe to be the right answer. But it is a real challenge when we work through it to be like, guess what? There's a few right answers. You got it. And when we become the all-knowing, then when we stop learning. And as A-types, one thing we do pride ourselves on is being lifelong learners. That's why we have a growth mindset because we mm-hmm. believe we're, we're never done learning. However, sometimes we're not good at the listening part of, <laughs> especially when we're very in a state of opinion um, and we are in like believing in our rightness so strongly that we yeah. can tune out um, great perspective, great learnings, great teachings that will benefit us. So it's, it's, we've got to slow down time a little bit for ourselves mm-hmm. to wait for that dust to settle, to see all, everything that's in front of us. And then we make way better decisions and race stronger, um, positive advancements in life, which is our love language, right? So if yeah. it's like, if I tell a client, we're just going to slow you down so that you make bigger advancement, they're like, okay, then I'm on board. I'll do yeah. it. Yeah. But there's then, also a sense, I think, of responsibility for the super type A person, right? Like we carry the world on our shoulders. And, and many people. <laughs> and, yeah, and many people. Yeah, yeah 100%, right? Or like those donkeys in India, like going exactly. up to summit, right? With all the hikers and all their stuff and everything. Yeah, that's exactly, except we want the credit when we get to the top. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Donkeys never get the credit. To we make it, right? Yes. <laughs> But we're happy to do all the heavy lifting, right? We're happy to do it. We're happy to show up. We're happy to do the responsibility. But I think what happens for us is, and sort of to your point, like where does Mm -hmm. the stress come from? We stretch ourselves too thin. We over, we overcommit because it, it, um, feels like our responsibility, but it also resonates for us things resonate with our values and we feel like yes yes I want to be part of that or I want to be a helper I want to uplift that person or whatever it might be and so then you're just constantly saying yes yes I can do that yes I can do that until you're literally out of time space energy adrenaline Right. Capacity, because we all just have a certain capacity for what we can handle, what we can take on. And then we are out of adrenals physically because there's nothing left to give. But I also think, you know, we say we're happy to take it on. But at the same time, we're a little bipolar because we say we're happy to take it on. If we get the acknowledgement, if we don't get the acknowledgement, then we're over here and we're resentful and bitter. (laughs) And it's a very fine line. Yeah, You know, if we don't get the cherry on top, then we're like, oh, what did we do in this all? We wasted all the time. Our focus could have been over here. And we have to walk that fine line between, um, you know, being very happily busy and taking on every people's stuff and then yeah. quickly turning to the, the dark side of resentment, anger, or frustration. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also, you know, something we learn as we go through time, right? You. Yeah 
you mature into that. That's a level of emotional maturity that we get to where it's like, look, I actually don't need the recognition as much as I did maybe That's it. in my twenties when I was just like, tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm doing it right. Right. Whereas now it's more like, I, I feel the sense of responsibility, but less of the, put me at the top of the show and show me off as you know just less of that no you got it and I think it's learning to become our own internal cheerleader um not needing any external praise at all I think is where we win especially as a types is like I can cheer myself on and I can recognize what I've done in my day and as long as I feel that way when I go to bed at night then my life is is at peace yeah absolutely and I think you know, with my, I use, um, personality dimensions in the work that I do. I don't know okay. if you're familiar with that tool. Um, but in it, we talk about this, uh, what I'm going to call the a type, but really what it is, yeah. is, this temperament has this massive sense of responsibility, but also one of the major triggers is a sense of belonging. Right. And so I think yes. as you go through life and you're trying to find your people, and you're trying to settle into where you feel like you belong, there's a lot of trying to get recognized so that you can feel like you belong. And I think a lot of, um, there's not enough talk about community. And community okay. is is our greatest achievement in life as human beings, but it's also our greatest downfall. Um, and I think a lot of addictions and compulsions and things like that stem from a lack of community or being kicked out of community. Yes. I think that society doesn't talk about this topic enough. They go to, okay, so this person's an addict, whatever, but they, they, they look back. It's because of a divorce where they felt kicked out of their family, or they chose a religion that was different and got exercise, or um, maybe they were an artist and they got kicked out of a, a band that went really far, you know, things like that. I watch a lot of biographies. One of my favorite things in life is is hearing people's stories. Um, and if you actually trace a lot of the stuff back, you will see community being at the heart of it. And if we only understood how important community is and how it's very dangerous to kick people out and to exercise people and then we start to soften as a types and, and it's not our way of the highway anymore. We realize that we can say things and do things in a softer tone in a softer way where maybe we're not around these people 24 seven, but it doesn't mean we have to blacklist them either yeah. or cancel them out of society. Right. Yeah. And it's funny. I've had this conversation a lot with clients and even with family members where mm-hmm. they'll say like, Oh, this person's not talking to me. We had this big fight. And I thought, you know what? Fine. Forget it. I don't need you in my life. And I'm like, you know, is it necessary though to just immediately put the line in the sand and say it's over when it just like truly just sounds like a disagreement? So maybe. And I think even the fact that they said that sentence shows how much they care about that person. If if they really were done with that person, it wouldn't even be a top of a conversation, to be yeah. honest with you. It would just be just kind of just letting things fizzle out naturally, organically. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they're saying, like bringing it to someone else and having that conversation shows me that the the, the connection and, and the uh, relationship isn't in fact done. It's just hurt people hurt other people. And, yeah. and that's just what we do as humans. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I'm always like, or just space and time, right? Space and time yeah. can do a lot for a disagreement. Space and time, just take a minute, 
does a lot for relationships. It does a lot for communication. It does a lot for our well-being, our mental yeah. health. You know, space and time is. You know, you need to get like shirts made up for your. It's <laughs> true. No, it's and so journals with that on it because it, it really is. You know, if people are asking what are what are the secret sauce to live a great life, I think space and time is a great answer. Space and time is huge, right? We were talking about it recently, like. One of my biggest stressors right now is just mom life, right? My oh, kids yeah. are I under remember. seven. It's everything is a battle. I'm trying to decide what hills I die on and which ones yeah. I'm like, mm, we're going to let it go. Right. And then mm-hmm. also, you know, our relationship, my husband and I's relationship as parents, right? Like right. you say one thing, they say the other, you mm-hmm. feel undermined. And now you have to have that conversation. We're big communicators in this house. So it's like, Good. Hey, what just happened there? That didn't feel okay to me. Mm-hmm. And then we talk through it. I was raised by a therapist. So love it. in my house, it's like, we talk about things, right? Good. But it doesn't mean that stress just goes away or the hurt feelings or whatever. Yeah. We're in this huge transitional period because these children are constantly transitioning to new levels of emotional intelligence and just general intelligence. Right. And you have to adjust with them and your expectations have to be checked. And when you're super type A, I mean, my seven-year-old talks like a 40-year-old lawyer. Right. I'll have this assumption in my head, like, you should know better. Based on the way that you talk to me, you should know better than that. And then I'm like, wait, he's seven, right? Space and time. Okay, Rish, just like stop for a sec. Let's let's reapproach the conversation, remembering that he's seven. Well, and I think you're touching on being reactive or non-reactive, right? And I think that's also the key to having a great life and having peace in your life. Because the more reactive we are, the more it's taking us away from alignment and from who we really are. Um, And I find I never feel good when I've been reactive in a situation. I don't think I can't go back to a single time in my life that I was highly in an emotional state, heightened um, and I was reactive that it worked out for me. Well, it just no. doesn't no. for any of us. Right. But it happens. Oh, right. And often, and because we is... are still human. Like that's the hard yes. part between, I mean, you know, you can know mindset, you can know positivity, you can know all the, you know, secrets to living a great life, applying them consistently and constantly is never going to happen no, no matter who you are and like Mother Teresa job. couldn't do it Gandhi couldn't do it like there's because we are human we are going to have slip-ups we are going to get grouchy and have a side conversation with someone we'll gossip and then feel terrible after it we yeah. will like do these things that aren't truly who we are we just get caught in emotions like, yeah. And I think it's at that point, it's just how you react to that. So where, what's the accountability piece to it, right? It's like, if you're going to be reactive, if it just came, if you knee jerked and it like came out of you yeah. now, what it's right. It, it didn't feel great. And so now what, like, how do you then come back and say that didn't feel right to me? That wasn't okay. Or my reaction was not Okay. So like we talk about this a lot at our house is the accountability piece, right? Right. Like, mm-hmm. 
okay, mommy snapped a little bit because yeah. everyone was yelling at me at the same time and my head exploded. And so I went, yeah. ah, right. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, mm, didn't feel great to do that. Right. <laughs> so sorry, guys. I, I did not mean whatsoever to snap and yell at everyone. Right. Here's what was happening for me. That's no excuse. I should know better. And I will try better. That's, that's all I can do. Right. Absolutely. And I think also acknowledging, yeah, we have to, to, to be the person we have to come back to who we are Yeah, and we need to come back to who we are in a timely manner. And I think that's something a human struggle with too. They may want to come and have that conversation. However, you know, an hour can turn into two days, can turn into two weeks to three months very easily, especially in family dynamics. Yes. Um, when you have to swallow your pride and say something. And that's why you see, you know, families not talking to each other for years. Um, really, it's just because someone wanted to say something, couldn't verbalize it, um, didn't try and write it. And then just as I said, two weeks turned into two months to turn into two years. And now it seems like Mount Everest yes. to have that that conversation right so timing's really important in this like the quicker we can like settle our emotions you know you can do the green yellow red you know like when the situation happens you're out of red yeah and then you just have to get yourself to like an amber and then slowly to a green once you're at green you're okay to have those conversations but society you know it has to be timely but it can't be forced so there's a fine line there and I think Society is always telling us to do everything quick, you know, fast food, fast this, express, uh, prime, you know, get it in two days. Like we, we've come accustomed to things happening at a rapid speed and humans don't work as fast as the rapid speed, but we do need to not get stuck in our ego and be timely. So again, there's a lot of gray areas there we have to navigate. Um, and it's not easy. So everybody oh. listening, is, we know it's not easy. Both of us yeah, can like admit show yourself that it's grace. not easy. Yeah. Show yourself grace. And that's like the biggest conversation, you know. So I run a nine-week coaching program around this topic called my super type A attempt at being Zen. And yes. in it, we talk a lot about, yeah, of course you're going to screw up. It doesn't mean we throw it all out the window. No, it just means we now learn from experiences and you're going to keep screwing up. That's never not going to happen. Right. Life's always going to throw us curveballs and our emotions are always going to react to those curveballs. It's just whether that curveball is going to take you out of the complete game or whether it's going to take you out of the knees, you're going to like limp around a little bit, get back on your feet. Or are you going to get to the point where you've like built up some really great emotional maturity and some, you know, some thick, thicker skin and some non-reactiveness. So then you just catch the ball and lob it back. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just all about what stage in that game we're in. And that and takes what, practice. It consistent practice, everything yeah. worthwhile I'm learning in life is, is, is built up of, of really positive routine. Yes, 100% that. So actually, based on that, is there something around mindset practice or perspective practice that you do regularly to help you be less reactive or see the other side? Or is there a tool or a... Yeah, 
And I'm actually happy to, I can email you this tool that you can make available um, when the podcast come out for people oh, to use, but I've created a how to remove any negative emotion in 30 seconds or less. So I'm happy to walk you through that system. Yeah, um, I made it up and, and what I'll send you is, is basically um, it's a PDF, but you can cut it into squares. And so my biggest advice is to cut it into squares keep it as like a little flip chart for yourself in your purse. Um, so you have it around you often, because as I said, this is a practice. Yeah. Um, so the more you do it, it'll become that you memorize it and you don't need your little flashcards. But in the beginning, these flashcards are gold. Yeah. Um, this is what I use. I used to be a very jealous person. When I started dating my husband, I would realize that I was it was not even founded like I out of nowhere oil man but just past experiences and what I witnessed as a kid had me on uh, a heightened sense of like this is going to go down it's going to go down any moment you need to be prepared right but I figured out the system for myself and then have helped you know I think I'm up to 7,000 clients uh, clinical hours coaching now um, and have, have really introduced a lot of my clients to this and it's been successful for them. So I feel confident sharing it with, yeah, yeah, that's you awesome. know, and with your group. But, um, the first step is really just acknowledging this, um, the emotion and I acknowledge right. this emotion. It's jealousy. We'll use jealousy as an example. This is, you fill in the blanks guys. This can be anything you're experiencing in the most call out the, the emotion. I know it's jealousy. Because I have felt it in my past. Mm -hmm. So first thought, acknowledging. Second step, just calling it out. Like, I know it's jealousy because I felt this in my past. Third step is like bring truth to the game, I like to say. It's like, you know, it did not serve me then and yes. it does not serve me now. See how like you can be in a heightened state of like your heart's just racing. You think you're in fight or flight because you're feeling this emotion. But as soon as you acknowledge it, it comes down a couple notches. And yeah. then when you're able to, to, you know, call it out, you know, and say, okay, I know it's this because I felt it in my past. And when you take it that third step and you bring truth to it, that like really, you know, when I've been jealous in the past, it hasn't served me. And I know it's not going to serve me now. Again, your shoulders are coming down. Your yeah. breath is coming back. You're able to process things a lot more. And then step four is so simple. It's like, so I choose the breast, uh, bless and release it. I'm not going to hold on to this. Yeah. This is something I have gone into the bathroom, like excuse myself from like dinners with girlfriends or things like that um, because it didn't serve me. It's just like I could feel something bubbling and I'd be like, just excuse me for a moment. And then I would go into that and just go through this quick little flip chart mm -hmm. and I'd be able to collect myself in about 30 seconds and come out and then have clear conversations with people. And the emotion has been calmed and down to that green light, yeah. like I said, so I can play with humans again. <laughs> and I, I love that. And I feel like that those emotions, sometimes they come from storytelling, right? And those stories aren't based in fact. So no. we go down the rabbit hole of storytelling and we're having these reactionary emotions. We're like, that's crap, or I'm mad, or I'm jealous, or that makes me mad. Right. And you're right. like, but wait, about what? Yeah. Right. And just even mine to take on. Like, yeah. you know, humans learn through storytelling. We have for generations and generations and generations, right? 
back to the aboriginals and right back to the romans and if you you track it it's always been there it's in the petroglyphs that we yep. we put on the caves you know but it's not the way we should be processing an emotion and so yeah. i think that's where kind of gossip and cattiness came out where they be telling a story but we would attach to it somehow where it wasn't meant for us to attach to it was meant for us just to listen yeah and and process right yeah. but I think when we grab attachment to a story then it becomes personal and then that's when the emotions get heightened for sure yeah and that's when we need to do our Byron Katie work which who I love I don't know, you know, Byron yeah. Katie, I'm sure mm-hmm. you do, right? And just check in and be like, yeah, is that true? Right. Right? No. And even if it is, who cares? Does this affect my personal life or my family or my well-being in any way? No. Yeah. Then why am I even no. talking about it? Yeah, like, why is it? Yeah, why is it part of my present? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, and that's how we talked about in the beginning, like how the past always gets brought up too. And that's because we, if we talk about the past in our present, we're constantly inviting it into another day. Yeah. Um, and as soon as we do that, we lose our personal power, but we also learn our lose our personal peace. Yeah, I believe that. You know, it's funny. I was at a girl's retreat on the weekend and oh, I had lovely. mentioned it was so nice to get out of my house. <laughs> I'm all boys at my house. So it was like, I need some, some feminine energy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, it's time to, uh, to escape for a bit. So it was really nice, but it was funny. Cause as we were talking, I had mentioned something, um, from my past. Cause one of the people who was there, I'd known since I was 14. Okay. So I was like, yeah, because blah, blah, blah. And Another friend of mine who I've known almost 10 years is like, what? I didn't know that about you. And I was like, yeah, I don't talk about it much, actually, because it was really traumatic. And this window of time was really, really hard for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give it any more energy. You got it. So I don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. And I was thinking about it on my way home because I was like, I feel like working through those things honoring them because they changed me yes that's the acknowledging piece yeah right understanding that like they happened and there's a result from them happening right but not wearing it every day I don't want to wear it every day because I feel like it's not a badge of honor by any means right right and it it just allows me to be like that's done and processed and I don't need to revisit it over and over again no, no. right I don't you can use it to relate there. to someone else but to to have to bring it up and talk about it and and again relive it as you said just yeah. gives it fuel to the fire you know and I think we also have a society that believes in toxic positivity so the, the yeah. opposite side, they're like, well, you should be happy all the time and you shouldn't feel any negative emotion, which is total crap. Yeah. Um, tell me a person that doesn't feel a negative emotion. If they tell you that they're completely lying. Yes. Um, they're all going to have their moments um, yes. where reality hits and they become human. It's just like you know, what, what real emotional maturity is and what a real strong growth mindset is, is acknowledging those emotions, like you said, and going through the the proper channels to process them so that you can, you know, sometimes, but that means that you're going to be grumpy some days. That means that you're going to have a so-called bad day, which is really, I just changed the wording to say like processing, 
Yeah. And if I'm having a day where I'm processing, then I'm not as harsh on myself. Right. Yeah. And then, but then I'm not living up to this like negative belief that we're supposed to be happy 24 seven. Yes, I agree. And there's also, you know, just acknowledging too how you process and what works best for you. Like I am not a winter human. I've said this before on the show, but I am not a winter human being. And um, this year, especially since my allergy to cold is back, that's fun. So, you know, head to toe hives every time I go outside in the winter, not my favorite. So, but historically, I also don't tend to, I'm a very social person, but I don't tend to go out and socialize much during the months of January or February. I just don't, I kind of get cocoon. Yeah. Cocoon very introspective, thinking about the year ahead, lots of planning in my head a lot, but it serves me, right? Because then by the time like March hits, I'm hit the ground, ready to go, ready to go. (laughs) Everything's planned. Everything's outlined. I'm good to go. And the weather's better. And I feel more uplifted. And I've had my cozy little two months at home by myself. Yeah, I've had it affect people in my life. Be like, why aren't you coming out? You go to everything. And I'm like, yep, because I need a break. It's just some space. And because it's not about you. Yeah. Right? Like sometimes we can call a spade a spade and just be like, you know, it's okay to tell people like even having this conversation is crossing a bit of a boundary because you're not honoring, you know, you're questioning me for a boundary I've set. Yeah. I'm just like, it's just what I need right now. Right. And I think allowing ourselves to have those moments of what we need right now. Right. That's allowed. We don't have to be like on all the time. We don't have to be at the top of our game 24 seven. Yeah. That's how burnout happens. That's how you see artists go on tour for like a crazy length of time. And then literally they can't come up with any creative ideas for like three years after because they have emotionally spiritually creatively dug themselves so deep yeah that they can't even have a creative thought for years after in the thought of going back out into the world so it's better to do everything at your own rhythm really realizing what society's pressures are and like doing the opposite going internally and asking myself like how does this feel for me to do tonight do I does this feel like a thing, you know, that I want to do and also becoming unapologetic to cancel things when you need to, to take care of your own mental health. I think that needs to be normalized that it doesn't have to be this long winded excuse why you can't make it. It's just like, I can't make it tonight. Yeah. And allowing people that space that you go, no problem. We'll see you next time. Yeah, like, like no there's issue. There's our responsibility to do it, but then there's the other responsibility that we have to accept it when our friends are doing it and when yes. our staff is doing it or when our team is doing it and be supportive of them as well. So we can't have it all where every, we want everyone to react that way to us and not be doing it in a really healthy way for other people too. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Absolutely. So how can we work on our mindset to bring more peace into our lives? What can we do on a day-to-day basis? 
Well, I think peace comes from a lot of things and you, and I think it's also very individualistic yes. what peace means to us. Like I need forest and water where some people need like mountains or they need ocean or they need things. So I think for first thing you have to do is really what makes you feel at peace. Yep. Um, you know, and really acknowledge that like for me, it's like putting on a fire, having the record player going or some sort of music playing um maybe having a glass of wine or I love a good scotch or a cappuccino you know it is like it's a whole experience for me to be in peace I don't know about you yeah absolutely the same yeah I love a good I love music I can like feel Mm -hmm. in my body yeah right like put something on be like oh I love this song and I'll live in it like it's living in my head and takes over all thoughts all thoughts have left I'm only here for this song right I love that I, I like that. that. And I also, I also love a scotch once in a while. See, this Excellent. is why we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, <clears throat> it's the thing that like, I'll have it at Christmas or a special yeah. occasion, sort of like nice, quiet. I love all the flavors in it. It's like yeah. a completely different thing Experience. than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Um, And coffee and food. Yeah. I love food. Yeah. There's so- nothing wrong with that too, though. That's the thing. Like, it's like, think of your experience like sometimes a piece to me is sitting with my laptop and writing I love to write Mm -hmm. um a lot of time it's reading which makes my writing better um as well so it's like just realizing the experience you want to think but how you figure out the mindset piece to it is like okay this is what I'm hoping to experience it what are the things that could rock that experience and take me out of it so that's the mindset piece. Okay, maybe I have to set boundaries for that day and tell um, family I just I need it from two to four completely by myself. Get my husband to take the kids out and do something just the two of them. Ask for what you need. Create strong boundaries. Yeah. Um, sometimes clutter can take me out of it if things oh, are just too much clutter around. I can't think to write or I can't think to read because I'm looking around going that needs to put away that needs yes. to be outside of place that type of thing so I think the mindset piece really um is figuring out what what are the things that will take you out of that vision you have and that experience you want to create around peace in your life and yeah who are also acknowledging like who are the culprits like who are the people that consistently take you further away from personal peace than closer to it yeah and does it make us right and them wrong it's just acknowledging that they take you away from personal peace so yes. maybe they're not invited to that day or yes. that event or things like that right yeah so it's just really kind of what environments do you feel the best in yeah you know making sure you make time for those uh, I talk about boundaries with other people we also have to have boundaries with ourselves like do we have strong boundaries in our calendar scheduling where we're blocking out time yep for these things that fill us up with so much joy and actually give us personal peace or are we going thing to thing to thing to thing and then forgetting all about our personal peace yeah there's a lot of conversation about well I don't have time I don't have time for this and I don't have time for that and while I completely hear the overwhelm in that right Mm -hmm. right I hear it I and I've lived it (laughs) right Right. I I just have two full-time jobs so like I hear you. Yeah. That can feel real. Don't have it it feels real to the person experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the space, right? Yeah. Sort of thinking like, do you have a shower every day? 
Right. Can you have a moment while you're in the shower where you're just sort of processing and having a mindful moment? Do you have, you know, what do you do before you go to bed? What is your routine? Can you, I, I, I feel like it's something as small as two to five minutes can have a massive impact on your day to day. Absolutely. Absolutely. They said that meditation can 20 minutes of meditation, a guided meditation can be equal to an eight hour sleep for some people. So it's not about the amount of time that you're doing things. It's like, are you owning time and are you making space for these type of things? And yes, there is going to be times in your life where that's not possible. Um, You know, there's times in our lives where our families need us more than our work. There's times when our work needs us more than our families. There's times where those two need us more than our personal time. And that's just reality. But I'm talking about like, are we at least attempting to own our schedule and to input the things that are important to us? Yes. By doing that, you know, that way we're giving ourselves a chance, even if it doesn't become our reality, we're setting ourselves up for, um, winning. Yeah. Winning and experiencing and, and, and personal peace rather than, just winging it all the time. And I remember saying, you know, I have trouble with consistency to, to a coach that was coaching me and they're like, no, um, you actually don't. You're really consistent at missing the gym. And it was like the <laughs> biggest mindset bitch slap ever. And I was like, you are absolutely he's like, no, you're consistent at eating certain foods that you really want to eat that aren't good for you. Yeah. So as humans, we don't have a consistency problem. We have a priority problem. Yes. Wow, those are some big truths in the first episode of season two of my super type A attempt at being Zen. If you want to hear part two with Belinda Ginter, tune into the next episode. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit www.yorkmotivational.com for more information on my super type A attempt at being Zen, the coaching program, lead without permission, or visit our contact page to reach out to Risha. Wishing you all continued balance and fulfillment on your road to Zen.